Mr. Wertheimer, a pink-cheeked, well-nourished man, looked proudly at the abundantly loaded baskets and said, The foundation of a good beefsteak is an overflowing amount of meat and beer. The tickets usually cost five bucks, and the rule is, all you can hold for five bucks. If you're able to hold a little more when you start home, you haven't been to a beefsteak. You've been to a banquet that they call a beefsteak. The best in Bitcoin made audible. I am Guy Swan, and this is Bitcoin Audible. What is up, guys? Welcome back to the show. This is Bitcoin Audible, and I am Guy Swan, the guy who has read more about Bitcoin than anybody else you know. Bitcoin 2023 is right around the corner, and I was chatting with Away Slice, who runs the beefsteaks for anybody who knows, uh, and they are honestly one of my favorite things about getting to go hang out with everybody and meet up and go to these conferences and stuff. You know, it's always just being able to see all you guys again. But the beefsteaks, man, they are so good. But we were chatting and I realized he has a piece. This is published in 1939, which is both hilarious and fascinating just because of the extreme timeliness of the of the writing itself it's 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 hard not to laugh at a couple of different places in this article but it is about the original beefsteak it is it is about the east side and the west side um traditions and a writer joseph mitchell i guess um who has who is going on a beefsteak exploration and learning about what this is. And it's crazy how much this is like a solid description of literally what happens at the beefsteak. But this is the one that he passes around to everybody to, to understand the history of the beefsteak, the architecture of the event. And I had not read it on the show. And since he shares this one around... Uh, this would be a great one. This, this is iconic. This is a great one for the show. And he does beefsteaks all the time. And I go to every single one that he does at any of the conferences that I go to. Um, and we were talking and just talking about the fact of how this show got started in the first place is that a lot of people would actually listen to it, but most don't sit down to read it. So you let me read it for you. That's what we do here at Bitcoin Audible. And if your mouth isn't watering by the end of this, uh, then you weren't paying attention. <laughs> really quick, uh, let's hit our sponsor. This show is brought to you by Swan Bitcoin, the best onboarding in the Bitcoin space. The quickest, all-signal, no-noise way to get into Bitcoin. You will not be led astray. You will not be encouraged to gamble or trade. You will have a long-term plan you will have access to a simple, easy-to-use IRA and retirement account so you can do it tax-free. You'll have access to the best, most knowledgeable team in the Bitcoin space, swanbitcoin.com slash guy. And then you're going to want to put that, put that Bitcoin securely on a cold card on a hardware device made by CoinKite, one of the longest-running and most trusted 
makers of hardware security devices in the space. And I have to give an extra little shill for the tap signers because I, I'm just a big tap signer fan. And you can get 9% off your cold card and everything in your cart with the code Bitcoin Audible. That will be right in the show notes if you forget it because how difficult that is. And then lastly, the fold card, the debit card that gets you sats back on everything in your life. Use, you, you still have to use fiat, get paid Bitcoin. Like get Bitcoin, not, not credit, a debit card that gives you percent back in sats. Seriously, I don't know what, I, you, how do you, uh, if you do the fiat without the fold, you're, that's not, no, don't, just, you shouldn't get the fold. I have 20,300,000 sats just from doing, just from paying my bills and doing all of the things that I normally do in fiat. Just, just, I, all I did was get rid of my boring, stupid bank card and I switched it with my fold card. Check them out. These are at the center of Guy's Bitcoin life, and you can find links and special discounts and even free sats right there in the details of this show. And with that, let's get into today's read. And it's titled, All You Can Hold for Five Bucks by Joseph Mitchell, as published in The New Yorker, April 15th, 1939. The New York Steak Dinner, or Beefsteak, is a form of gluttony as stylized and regional as the Riverbank Fish Fry, the Hot Rock Clam Bake, or the Texas Barbecue. Some old chefs believe it had its origins 60 or 70 years ago, when butchers from the slaughterhouses on the East River would sneak choice loin cuts into the kitchens of nearby saloons, grill them over charcoal, and feast on them during their Saturday night sprees. In any case, the institution was essentially masculine until 1920, when it was debased by the 18th and 19th Amendments to the Constitution of the United States. The 18th Amendment brought about mixed drinking. A year and a half after it went into effect, the salutation, We greet our better halves, began to appear on the souvenir menus of beefsteaks thrown by bowling, fishing, and chowder clubs and lodges and labor unions. The big, exuberant beefsteaks thrown by Tammany and Republican district clubs always had been strictly stag. But not long after the 19th Amendment gave women the suffrage, politicians decided it would be nice to invite females over voting age to clubhouse beefsteaks. Women folks didn't know what a beefsteak was until they got the right to vote, an old chef once said. It didn't take women long to corrupt the beefsteak. They forced the addition of such things as Manhattan cocktails, fruit cups, and fancy salads to the traditional menu of slices of ripened steaks, double lamb chops, kidneys, and beer by the pitcher. They insisted on dance orchestras instead of brassy German bands. The life of the party at a beefsteak used to be the man who let out the most ecstatic grunts, drank the most beer, ate the most steak, and got the most grease on his ears. But women do not esteem a glutton, and at a contemporary beefsteak it is unusual for a man to do away with more than six pounds of meat and thirty glasses of beer. Until around 1920, beefsteak etiquette was rigid. Knives, forks, napkins, and tablecloths never had to be permitted. A man was supposed to eat with his hands. When beefsteaks became bisexual, the etiquette changed. For generations, men had worn their second-best suits because of the inevitability of grease spots. Tuxedos and women appeared simultaneously. Most beefsteaks degenerated into polite banquets at which open-faced sandwiches of grilled steak happened to be the principal dish. 
However, despite the frills introduced by women, two schools of traditional steak dinner devotees still flourish. They may conveniently be called the East Side and West Side schools. They disagree over matters of menu and etiquette, and both claim that their beefsteaks are the more classical or old-fashioned. The headquarters of the East Side School is the meat market of William Wertheimer and Son at 1st Avenue and 19th Street. It is situated in a tenement neighborhood, but that is misleading. Scores of epicures regularly order steaks, chops, and capons from Wertheimer's. The moving spirit of the East Side School is Sidney Wertheimer, the son of the firm. A dozen old, slow-moving, temperamental Germans, each of whom customarily carries his own collection of knives in an old oilcloth kit, are the chefs. Mr. Wertheimer is not a chef. He selects, cuts, and sells the meat used at the majority of the old-fashioned beefsteaks thrown in East Side halls, like the Central Opera House, the Grand Street Boys Clubs, the Manhattan Oddfellows Hall, and Webster Hall. The caterers for these halls get an unusual amount of service when they order meat from Mr. Wertheimer. If the caterer wishes, Mr. Wertheimer will engage a couple of old Germans to go to the hall and broil the meat. He will also engage a crew of experienced beefsteak waiters. He owns a collection of beefsteak cooking utensils and does not mind lending it out. The chefs and waiters telephone or stop in at Wertheimer's about once a week and are given assignments. Most of them work in breakfast and luncheon places in the financial district, taking on beefsteaks at night as a sideline. For engaging them, Mr. Wertheimer collects no fee. He just does it to be obliging. In addition, for no charge, he will go to the hall and supervise the kitchen. He is extremely proud of the meat he cuts and likes to make sure it is cooked properly. He succeeded old beefsteak Tom McGowan as the East Side's most important beefsteak functionary. Mr. McGowan was a foreman in the Department of Water Supply who arranged beefsteaks as a hobby. He was an obscure person. But in 1924, his hearse was followed by more than a thousand sorrowful members of Tammany Clubs. Mr. Wertheimer had almost finished cutting the meat for a beefsteak the last time I went to see him. Approximately 350 men and women were expected that night, and he had carved steaks off 30 steer shells and had cut up 450 double rib lamb chops. In his icebox, 450 lamb kidneys were soaking in a wooden tub. The steaks and chops were piled up in baskets, ready to be delivered to the uptown hall in which the beefsteak was to be thrown. Technically, a beefsteak is never given or held. It is thrown or run. Mr. Wertheimer, a pink-cheeked, well-nourished man, looked proudly at the abundantly loaded baskets and said, The foundation of a good beefsteak is an overflowing amount of meat and beer. The tickets usually cost five bucks, and the rule is all you can hold for five bucks. If you're able to hold a little more when you start home, you haven't been to a beefsteak. You've been to a banquet that they call a beefsteak. Classical beefsteak meat is carved off the shell, a section of the hindquarter of a steer. It is called short loin without the filet. To order a cut of it, a housewife would ask for a thick Delmonico. You don't always get it at a beefsteak, Mr. Wertheimer said. Sometimes they give you bull filets. They're no good. Not enough juice in them, and they cook out black. While I watched, Mr. Wertheimer took a shell off a hook in his icebox and laid it on a big maple block. It had been hung for eight weeks and was blanketed with blue mold. The mold was an inch thick. He cut off the mold, then he boned the shell and cut it into six chunks. Then he sliced off all the fat. Little strips of lean ran through the discarded fat, and he deftly carved them out and made a mound of them on the block. These trimmings, along with the tails of the steaks, will be ground up and served as appetizers, he said. 
We'll use 400 tonight. People call them hamburgers, and that's an insult. Sometimes they're laid on top of a slice of Bermuda onion and served on bread. When he finished with the shell, six huge steaks, boneless and fatless, averaging three inches thick and ten inches long, lay on the block. They made a beautiful still life. After they've been broiled, the steaks are sliced up, and each steak makes about ten slices, he said. The slices are what you get at a beefsteak. Mr. Wertheimer said the baskets of meat he had prepared would be used that night at a beefsteak in the Odd Fellows Hall on East 106th Street. The Republican Club of the 20th Assembly District was running it. He invited me to go along. How's your appetite? he asked. I said there was nothing wrong with it. I hope not, he said. When you go to a beefsteak, you got to figure on eating until it comes out of your ears. Otherwise, it would be bad manners. That night, I rode up to Old Fellows Hall with Mr. Wertheimer, and on the way, I asked him to describe a pre-prohibition stag beefsteak. Oh, they were amazing functions, he said. The men wore butcher aprons and chef hats. They used the skirt of the apron to wipe the grease off their faces. Napkins were not allowed. The name of the organization that was running the beefsteak would be printed across the bib, and the men took the aprons home for souvenirs. We still wear aprons, but now they're rented from linen supply houses. They're numbered and you turn them in at the hat check table when you get your hat and coat. Drunks, of course, always refuse to turn theirs in. In the old days, they didn't even use tables and chairs. They sat on beer crates and ate off the tops of beer barrels. You'd be surprised how much fun that was. Somehow it made old men feel young again. And they drink beer out of cans or growlers. Those beefsteaks were run in halls or the cellars or back rooms of big saloons. There was always sawdust on the floor. Sometimes they had one in a bowling alley. They would cover the alleys in tarpaulin and set the boxes and barrels in the aisles. The men ate with their fingers. They never served potatoes in those days, too filling. They take up room that rightfully belongs to meat and beer. A lot of those beefsteaks were testimonials. A politician would get elected to something and his friends would throw him a beefsteak. Cops ran a lot of them too. Like when a cop became a captain or inspector, he got a beefsteak. Theatrical people were always fond of throwing beefsteaks. Sophie Tucker got a great big one at Mecca Temple in 1934, and Bill Robinson got a great big one at the Grand Street Boys Clubhouse in 1938. Both of those were knockouts. The political clubs always gave the finest, but when Tammany Hall gets a setback. For example, the Unwanda Club, over in my neighborhood, used to give a famous beefsteak every Thanksgiving Eve. Since LaGuardia got in, the Anwanda's beefsteaks have been so skimpy it makes me sad. At the old beefsteaks, they almost always had storytellers, men who would entertain with stories in Irish and German dialect. And when the people got tired of eating and drinking, they would harmonize. You could hear them harmonizing blocks away. They would harmonize my wild Irish rose until they got their appetite back. It was the custom to hold beefsteaks on Saturday nights or the eve of holidays, so the men would have time to recover before going to work. They used to give some fine ones in Coney Island restaurants. Webster Halls has always been a good place. Local 636 of the Steamfitters holds its beefsteak there. They're good ones. A lot of private beefsteaks are thrown in homes. A man will invite some friends to his cellar and cook the steaks himself. I have a number of good amateur beefsteak chefs among my customers. Once, during the racing season, a big bookmaker telephoned us he wanted to throw a beefsteak, so we sent a chef and all the makings to Saratoga. The chef had a wonderful time. They made a hero out of him. When we reached the hall, we went directly to the kitchen. Two of Mr. Wertheimer's chefs were working at a row of tremendous gas ranges. One had a pipe in his mouth, the other was smoking a cigar. 
There was a pitcher of beer on a nearby table, and at intervals, the chefs would back away from the ranges and have some beer. They were cooking the 400 high-class hamburgers. The air was heavy with the fragrance of meat. The steaks, chops, and kidneys were racked up, ready for the broilers. A strip of bacon had been pinned to each kidney with a toothpick. I asked a chef how many minutes the steaks were kept on fire. It's all according, he said. Twelve on one side, ten on the other is about the average. Before they go in, we roll them in salt, which has been mixed with pepper. The salt creates a crust that holds the juice in. In a corner, waiters were stacking up cardboard platters, on each of which a dozen half slices of trimmed bread had been placed. This is day-old bread, one of them said. The steak slices are laid on it just before we take them out to the tables. Day-old bread is neutral. When you lay steak on toast, you taste the toast as much as the steak. In a little while, I went out to the ballroom. The Republicans were arriving. Most of them were substantial, middle-aged people. They all seemed to know each other. At the hat check booth, everybody, men and women, put on cloth butcher's aprons and paper chef's hats. This made them look a lot like members of the Ku Klux Klan. The hats had mottos on them, such as, Is hell when your wife is a widow, and Prohibition was good for some, others it put on the bum. Before sitting down, most couples went from table to table shaking hands and gossiping. After shaking hands, they would say, Let's see what it says on your hat. After they read the mottos on each other's hats, they would laugh heartily. On each table, there were plates of celery and radishes, beer glasses, salt shakers, and some balloons and noisemakers. Later, a spivined old waiter told me that liquor companies send balloons and noisemakers to many beefsteaks as an advertisement. In the old days, they didn't need noisemakers, he said contemptuously. If a man wanted some noise, he would just open up his trap and howl. While couples were still moving from table to table, a banquet photographer got up on the bandstand and asked everybody to keep still. I went over and watched him work. When he was through, we talked for a while, and he said, In an hour or so, I'll bring back a sample photograph and take orders. At a beefsteak, I usually take the picture at the start of the party. If I took it later on, when they get full of beer, the picture would show a lot of people with goggle eyes and their mouths gaped open. As the photographer was lugging his equipment out, waiters streamed into the ballroom with pitchers of beer. When they caught sight of the sloshing beer, the people took seats. I joined Mr. Wertheimer, who was standing at the kitchen door surveying the scene. As soon as there was a pitcher of beer in the middle of every table, the waiters brought in platters of hamburgers. A moment later, a stout, frowning woman walked up to Mr. Wertheimer and said, Say, listen, who the hell ever heard of hamburgers at a beefsteak? Mr. Wertheimer smiled. Just be patient, lady, he said. In a minute, you'll get all the steak you can hold. Okay, she said, but what about the ketchup? There's no ketchup at our table. Mr. Wertheimer said he would tell a waiter to get some. When she left, he said, Ketchup! I bet she'd put ketchup on chocolate cake. After they had finished with their hamburgers, some of the diners began inflating and exploding balloons. I heard one of the chefs back in the kitchen yell, Steak's ready to go! And I went inside. One chef was slicing the big steaks with a knife that resembled a cavalry saber, and the other was dipping the slices into a pan of rich, hot sauce. That's the best beefsteak sauce in the world, Mr. Wertheimer said. It's melted butter, juice and drippings from the steak, and a little Worcestershire. The waiters lined up beside the slicing table. Each waiter had a couple of the cardboard platters on which bread had been arranged. As he went by the table, he held out the platters and the chef dropped a slice of the rare, dripping steak on each piece of bread. Then the waiter hurried off. I went to the kitchen door and looked out. A waiter would go to a table and lay a loaded platter in the middle of it. Hands would reach out and the platter would be emptied. A few minutes later, another platter would arrive and eager, greasy hands would reach out again. 
At beefsteaks, waiters are required to keep on bringing platters until every gullet is satisfied. On some beefsteak menus, there is a notice, second, third, fourth, etc. portions, permitted and invited. Every three trips or so, the waiter would bring a pitcher of beer, and every time they finished a platter, the people would rub their hands on their aprons. Sometimes a man would pour a little beer on one palm and rub his hands together briskly. At a table near the kitchen door, I heard a woman say to another, Here, don't be bashful, have a steak. I just ate six, her friend replied. The first woman said, Wasn't you hungry? Why, you eat like a bird. Then they threw their heads back and laughed. It was pleasant to watch the happy, unrestrained beefsteak eaters. While the platters kept coming, they did little talking except to urge each other to eat more. Jeez, said a man. These steaks are like peanuts. Eat one and you can't stop. Have another. Presently, the waiters began to tote out platters of thick lamb chops. Then a man stepped up to the microphone and introduces a number of politicians. Each time, he said, I'm about to introduce a man that is known and loved by each and every one of you. A beaming politician would stand and bow and the constituents would bang the tables with their noisemakers. There were no speeches. A politician would have to be extraordinarily courageous to make a speech at a beefsteak. When all the Republican statesmen of the 20th AD had been introduced, a band went into action and two singers stepped out to the dance floor and began singing numbers from Showboat. By the time they got to Old Man River, the 450 double lamb chops were gone and the waiters were bringing out the kidneys. I'm so full I'm about to pop, a man said. Push those kidneys a little nearer if you don't mind. Then the lights were dimmed. Here and there a couple got up grunting and went out on the dance floor. The band played waltzes. Done by aproned, middle-aged people ponderous with beefsteak and beer, the waltz is an appalling spectacle. The waiters continued to bring out kidneys and steak to many tables. There was no dessert and no coffee. Such things are not orthodox. Black coffee is sometimes served to straighten people out, Mr. Wertheimer said, but I don't believe in it. When the Republicans began dancing in earnest, the activity in the kitchen slackened, and some of the waiters gathered around the slicing table and commenced eating. While they ate, they talked shop. You know, said one, a fat woman don't eat so much. It's those little skinny things. You wonder where they put it. Another said, it's the Catholics who can eat. I was offered a beefsteak in Brooklyn last Thursday night. All good Catholics. So it got to be 11.50 and they stopped the clock. Catholics can't eat meat on Friday. The two weary chefs sat down together at the other side of the room from the waiters and had a breathing spell. They had not finished a glass of beer apiece, however, before a waiter hurried in and said, My table wants some more steak. And the chefs had to get up and put their weight on their feet again. Just before I left at midnight, I took a last look at the ballroom. The dance floor was packed and clouds of cigar smoke floated above the paper hats of the dancers. But at nine tables, people were still stowing away meat and beer. On the stairs to the balcony, five men were harmonizing. Their faces were shiny with grease. One held a pitcher of beer in his hands and occasionally he would drink from it, spilling as much as he drank. The song was, of course, Sweet Adeline. The West Side School of Beefsteak Devotees frequents the Terminal Hotel, a four-gentlemen-only establishment at 11th Avenue and 23rd Street. Its chef is Bob Ellis, an aged, truculent Negro whose opinion of all other beefsteak chefs is low. Of them, he says, What they call a beefsteak ain't no beefsteak. It's just a goddamn mess. Mr. Ellis is also a talented clam bake and green turtle chef, and used to make trips as far west as Chicago to supervise one meal. His most unusual accomplishment, however, is the ability to speak Japanese. He once worked on freighters that went to the Orient, and he sometimes reminds people who hang out around the belly-shaped terminal bar that he has a wonderful command of the Japanese language. 
When someone is skeptical and says, well, let's hear some, he always says haughtily, what in hell would be the use of talking Jap to you? You wouldn't comprehend a word I was saying. Among the groups of rough and ready gourmands for whom Mr. Ellis is official chef are the IDK, I don't know, bowling club, a hoary outfit from Chelsea, and the old Hoboken Turtle Club. This club was founded in 1796, and Alexander Hamilton and Aaron Burr were charter members. Now it is an exclusive association of West Side and Jersey butchers, brewers, saloon keepers, boss stevedores, and businessmen. Most of the members are elderly. Mr. Ellis has cooked for them since 1879. In 1929, they gave him a badge with a green turtle and a diamond on it, and made him a brother turtle. The turtles in the IDKs and many similar West Side organizations always hold their beefsteaks in the terminal cellar, which is called the Holings Beefsteak Keller after John Holings, a former owner of the hotel who sold out in disgust and moved to Weehawken when Prohibition was voted in. He used to store his coal in the cellar. Mr. Ellis refuses to call it a keller. He calls it my dungeon. In the old days, all steak cellars were called dungeons, he told me. To me, they're still dungeons. The dungeon has a steel door on which is printed the initials O-I-C-U-R-M-T. That is a good sample of beefsteak humor. Also on the door is a sign, When you enter this keller, you find a good feller. The dungeon has a cement floor over which sawdust has been scattered. The ceiling is low. On the trestled wall are yellowed beefsteak photographs ranging from an 1898 view of the M.E. Blankmeyer Clambake Club to a picture of a beefsteak thrown in 1932 by the New York Post Office, Holy Name Society. Over the light switch is a warning, hands off the third rail. In one corner is a piano and a platform for a German band. The dungeon will hold 125 persons. When 125 big heavy men get full of beer, it does seem a little crowded in here, Mr. Ellis said. Beer crates and barrels were once used, but now people sit on slap-backed chairs and eat off small individual tables. Down a subterranean hall from the dungeon is the ancient brick oven, over which Mr. Ellis provides with great dignity. I'm not one of these hit-or-miss beefsteak chefs, he said. I grill my steaks on hickory embers. The efflorescence of seasoned hardwood is in the steak when you eat it. My beefsteaks are genuine old-fashioned. I'll give you the official lineup. First, we lay out celery, radishes, olives, and scallions. Then we lay out crab meat cocktails. Some people say that's not old-fashioned. I'm getting close to 90 years old, and I ought to know what's old-fashioned. Then we lay out some skewered kidney shells, lamb or pig. What's the difference? Then comes the resistance. Cuts of seasoned loin of beef on hot toast with butter gravy. Sure, I use toast. None of this day-old bread stuff for me. I know what I'm doing. Then we lay out some baked Idahos. I let them have paper forks for the crab meat and the Idahos. Everything else should be attended to with fingers. A man who don't like to eat with his fingers hadn't got any business at a beefsteak. Then we lay out the broiled duplex lamb chops. All during the beefsteak, we're laying out pitchers of refreshment. By that, I mean beer. Old Mr. Ellis lives in the Bronx. He spends most of his time at home in a rocking chair with his shoes off reading the Bible or a weekly trade paper called The Butcher's Advocate. Whenever Herman Von Twistern, the proprietor of the terminal, books a beefsteak, he gets Mr. Ellis on the telephone and gives him the date. Usually he also telephones Charles V. Havikin, a portly ex-Valdeville actor who calls himself the Senator from Hoboken. 
He took the title during Prohibition, when everything connected with the Hoboken was considered funny. Mr. Havokin is a celebrated beefsteak entertainer. Most often, he sits down with the guests and impersonates a windy, drunken senator. He also tells dialect stories and gives recitations. In his repertoire are The Kid's Last Fight, Christmas Day in the Workhouse, The Gambler's Wife, and Please Don't Sell My Father Rum. If I'm not previously known to people at a beefsteak, I sometimes impersonate a dumb waiter, Mr. Havokin told me, listing his accomplishments. I spill beer on people, bump into them, step on their feet, and hit them in the face with my elbows. All the time, I look dumb. It's a very funny act to people with a keen sense of humor. What do they think of your act? I asked. Well, I tell you, said Mr. Havokin, look at this scar on my forehead. And I guess you noticed that I walk with a limp. To view this article in its original format, a link is provided below at newyorker.com. And that concludes the original tale of the beefsteak, all you can hold for five bucks. Now, I'm pretty sure I told, I told Away Slice when I was going to have this article so that he could share it around. And I'm pretty sure he's made the store and stuff so that if you wanted to go, if you're, if you're trying to go to the beefsteak and you haven't gotten tickets, um, I'm, I, I mean, don't quote me on this. I know it's going to be around right now, but the tickets, everything should be available soon so that you can do that. Um, I, uh, if, if he wants me to publicly share a link, I know he has, like, he wants to send it around to people who have been to the beefsteak before. So if you do get the link, uh, do not do not wait around. These things fill up very, very quickly, and they are absolutely so much fun. And jokes on women's suffrage aside, if it's not obvious, this is not a men's only event. <laughs> this is this is men and women. This is this is everybody in the Bitcoin space. And apparently the only person who doesn't have fun is Nick Carter, which makes this basically a 99.999% like five star review. And take it taken from Guy is I this it's a it's a good time. And if you are going to be there, let me know, because I'd like to make sure I hit you up and we hang out for a bit and get a beer and eat some steak. I'll tell you, though, in, uh, what was it, Pacific Bitcoin, I guess? Um, I think it was Pacific Bitcoin, is I actually got to hang out with Wayslice, which I almost never get to hang out with him. He's always, like, crazy, crazy busy at these beefsteaks. Um, it's, it's very much, like, there's a line in this article talking about how, like, the waiters got to sit down for like a second and then it was like oh another round and they were stood up back to work basically you don't get to talk to away slice and he'll be very very polite but very direct and he'll be like listen okay i'm gonna be very busy so i'm not gonna get to hang out with you and i'm gonna say hey but i'm going to ignore you for the rest of the night largely uh and don't get in my way because he he runs this thing like like a beast like this thing is a machine but i did i actually got to stay with him um we were in, my brother and I were at the Airbnb with him and we had a blast. And I tell you what, it's a cheat code because the guy just has steak and he cooks all week. So it was like every day, like we're back and like he's, he's just cooked up some more steak or pulled some more stuff together. And it was, it was like magic. It was like having a miniature beefsteak for the whole week that we were there. And since I'm behind on all of my stuff, he's already got people staying with him. Either that or he doesn't want me there, um, one or the other. But either way, whoever is hanging out uh, with the Wayslice, um, feel lucky. Feel, feel that you got a special, a special thing that 
other people are long, just a little bit jelly for. <laughs> but um, uh, but I'm a huge fan of Away Slice, and honestly, honestly, the the thing about the beefsteak, especially when it comes to Bitcoin 2023, because by the way, by the way, ten percent off your tickets. If you haven't gotten your tickets to Bitcoin 2023, uh, you definitely need to come. This is kind of one of those conferences that. I mean, it's the conference, right? Like, it's absolutely massive. Um, but make sure that if you're getting tickets, if you haven't gotten them yet, use a coupon code. Do not forget about them because they give them to a lot of people, particularly like all the speakers and stuff. And I'll have a handful of different panels. Um, and I, uh, the audio knots have got on me because I, I do need to really badly make sure that I've got a slot for, I, I want to get, us together and have kind of like a little Bitcoin audible gathering, an audio knots gathering of some sort. And I still don't have anything concrete on it. I think I know where I want to do it, where, where I want to do it. And I might just need to just bite the bullet and just like, just hit like a time slot and just be like, okay, we're just going to do it here at this time. And if it overlaps with something, whatever, there's not a whole lot I can do. And I'm putting myself in a much worse position. I'm putting everybody else in a much worse position if I take a long time to figure that out. Um, but I just want to get a, a meetup together, you know, basically us get together and hang out because Bitcoin 2023 is freaking enormous. It's massive. It is, it is a representation of the entire space. And that is what I love about the beefsteak, particularly at these events. Um, I mean, granted, the beefsteak is always just kind of like an awesome precursor to the event and it's one of those things that i just love to do um and it's freaking delicious don't eat anything by the way don't i don't you can you can like kind of munch on something just to keep your appetite up and make sure that you're not so starving that you know your stomach has shrunk but literally save it say make sure that you go very very hungry because it just it's just better that way but it's kind of like the heart it's the heart of bitcoin 2023 like it's always a really, really solid, like dedicated group. Like nobody's there frivolously, you know, everybody's there because they really want to be there and because they really want to see and hang out with Bitcoiners. And I think it's the perfect accompaniment to Bitcoin 2023 because Bitcoin 2023 is the everything conference. I mean, so many times I go to Bitcoin 2020 or the, the Bitcoin conference and there are people that I wanted to see that I never even got to bump into because there's just so many people. Like, it's got all of it. And so if you haven't come to a beefsteak and you get the opportunity to, and uh, like I said, if, if he wants me specifically to share out the link, I will do so in the description of this episode. So stay tuned. Keep, a, keep an eye out. Um, it won't be in it. I'm, I'll be publishing this in just a couple of minutes. So it won't be in it right now, I know, just because I haven't gotten word back from him. Um, but... Uh, but definitely stay tuned, um, and I'll share it out in the audio notes group too when I get it. Um, and it would be awesome to see any of you guys there. And I'll keep you updated on the um, on the audio notes meetup on the Bitcoin Audible meetup. Because I want to hang, I want to hang, I want to see everybody. Um, it's been a long time. Like I'm, I know I'm kind of, I've been kind of exhausted with these conferences a little bit. But the one thing, I mean, the reason I go is because I want to hang out with everybody. I feel like. Like Bitcoiners and all you guys, like the you're you are my friends, and I only get to see you a couple of times a year. You know, it's 
it's a lot traveling and it's expensive um and you know it wears on me but it's so much fun every time i go like i know as soon as i as soon as i like sit down on the plane i'm gonna be like i get to see everybody this is gonna be so much fun i'm gonna hang out we're going to a beefsteak uh, i'm gonna get the I'm going to get to talk to so many people. I'm going to be on stage and get to chill with people. Like I I'd probably take my panels a little bit too um, casual maybe, but I don't know. It's fun. They keep inviting me back. So <laughs> I'm going to keep doing it. Um, but I don't know. I really do like to, I like to be up there. I like to see everybody and get to chill and chat with people on stage. So I'm excited. I'm excited. Um, and I hope you guys are too. Uh, don't forget, I got the got the coupon code, um, and there may be somebody else with a higher coupon code. I do not know. I know like the standard is ten percent, um, and there is commission by the way. So like, if you want to support the show, if you, like if you want to support Bitcoin Audible, use code Bitcoin Audible. But I'm sure everybody like Matt O'Dell and Marty Bent and uh, what Bitcoin did. I'm sure everybody else has a coupon code. So whoever you want to support, I don't remember exactly what the kickback is, but it's like some percentage of the ticket. But I also do know that sometimes they give out like 15% and 20% off for certain things or certain partner events or something. And honestly, I mean, it's great to get like a little bit of commission or something, but uh, make sure make sure you're not overpaying. Like get the best deal that you can, save your sats, get your sats into cold storage and get it all secure and safe and keep as many of them as you can and then come to the conference and hang out and see me at the beefsteak and we will chill. And with that, we're going to close this one out. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. We're going to have a good week. I got a lot of fun stuff lined up for this week. First off, we are getting into um, we are getting into a series from Ayn Rand that we're going to be doing slowly but ongoing, um, which I really, really love and I haven't read in a really, really long time. And I was talking with um, uh, Space Bull and CoinKite in particular wants to, they want to be the only ones on these shows. So these are going to be kind of, I'm going to try to make these in addition to kind of the normal run. And that is going to be a lot of fun. If you haven't heard the, the moral logic that Ayn Rand lays out, it's really good. And, I, and it's also something that I'll probably guys take rant on pretty solid. Um, but uh, uh, that will be really fun. Um, and I think I'm going to be starting that before the end of this week. Uh, then we're going to get basics, what is it, five or basic six? One, two, three, four. I think it's six. We're going to get the lightning node basics. So we're finally, or not lightning node, but just the lightning basics. Since we have covered the node and we kind of have, have that foundation now, lightning is going to make a whole lot more sense. And I'm going to, I'm not going to make it like the workshop that I do every year at Bitblockboom, which is way more advanced, advanced and in detail. Like I actually break down the contract and all the different branches of the script specifically um, but I will I will get a little bit into it conceptually just so you understand why it is secure and exactly how it is um, or it's maybe more specifically what the trade-off is in a very simple way um, but then then we're just going to talk about how, how to play lightning how to um, which is actually something I usually don't get to do a lot with the workshop because we do get advanced so uh, this is going to be fun you know, and, and this will be a great one for like helping set people up. Like I was talking about the, the couple of people, like waiters and um, people that are working at like places that I really like to go to that I've set up with Lightning. 
um, in like the last month or two. Um, uh, basically, there's like a really easy like one, two, three that you can get them set up so you can send them tips. So if you're using Lightning a lot, it's it's a really great way to A, onboard somebody else and just kind of show them how powerful the technology is that you can just do this so easily and so quickly. But then also it's a great thing to be able to use it. And that's why like I'm a huge fan of Noster and Zaps and everything because like the integration is seamless. It works so well. And then there's Fountain and you can like stream sats and you can boost and send in comments. Like there's so much great stuff. So uh, we will be, I'll try to cover a lot of that in the episode. And that was just going to be a lot of fun to explore uh, for the different ways and things that we can use it for. And then also I've had this one highly, highly recommended um, and uh, or requested just over and over again uh, is The History of Bitcoin Maximalism by Jameson Lop, which I will say uh, I don't fully agree with, but is a really, really good read. And it's another one that I think is a it's pretty long. So the people who haven't read it yet don't worry we have it in we're gonna have it in audio for you um coming very very soon we will have that this week um but uh but also like i really appreciate jameson law and he's his perspective in the space is always really good and despite where i disagree from a personal perspective i think it's a really valuable opinion and i know a lot of other people have uh said really good things about the article um so stay tuned Stay subscribed. We've got a lot of great stuff happening. And uh, don't forget to check out Swan Bitcoin and CoinKite and Fold. These guys are not only long supporters of the show, but these are services that I use literally every day. I actually just got to show off my tap signer setup to my in-laws over Easter weekend because uh, it's so much fun. It's the one that I set up with Nunchuck, um, which maybe I'll do a video or something on that. But, uh, but yeah, and they, they make this show possible. And they keep me fed and happy uh, and to have the money to go to beefsteaks and conferences and hang out with you guys. So support them and use their products because they're baller. And I will catch you on the next episode of Bitcoin Audible. And until then, everybody, take it easy, guys. Life should not be a journey to the grave with the intention of arriving safely in a pretty and well-preserved body, but rather to skid in broadside in a cloud of smoke, thoroughly used up, totally worn out, and loudly proclaiming, Wow! What a ride! Hunter S. Thompson This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>